Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Shankleberg. And this is Kirk Gray. Yeah, Kirk, you know, you do the weirdest thing sometimes. You were <laughs> you, you mentioned that you were doing a search the other day for recent trends and failures yeah, in Yeah, current issues and reliability of electronics. Current that sounds like a name of a journal or something. It? it could be. And yeah. it should be, actually. <laughs> there you go. There's our next career. We'll set that up. But yeah, we were talking about Google Scholar and how the great uh, online research you have available at your desktop, you yeah. know, you're right or in front of you even. Yeah. and your phone everywhere. You have the world's, uh, you know, a kind of an infinite library of uh, all over the world and all kinds of listings. And so I was just looking at these things and, you know, we I just through listen to kind of what the current state of affairs in electronics is. And um, here's one, you know, article written in 2021, uh, reliability analysis incorporating exponentiated inverse Weibull distribution and inverse power law. And I go, ah, my God, you know, again, the point is not uh, counting failures. And, and this is where you and I talked about Weibull and statistics and reliability. And mm -hmm. it's not something that I feel is um, – I mean, there's certain cases and certain applications, like for uh, you know, we were just talking about photovoltaic cells and solar arrays and those kinds of things, where I think that the distribution and life of of those things are very. It's critical to know the wear out modes and and whatever of those uh, intrinsic mechanisms, and that's where you know a statistical analysis and distribution uh, measurements of degradation all play into figuring it out, figuring out what the whole life of uh, what the potential life uh, entitlement of the product is for one that has no uh, manufacturing flaws or defects. In other words, well, that never kind happens. of a simple. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've always thought about why I built it that counting failures doesn't help you a whole lot. No, but that's not the only reason people do statistics it, you, in related to reliability. Right. You know. Okay. I mean, start at the start is when we're making something, we yes. use these, we... Not always, but oftentimes I find that the better products, manufacturing processes, use right. reliability, use statistics in the form of a process control. They monitor the key characteristics to make sure they're stable and they can detect right. anomalies or issues or problems and, before it gets shipped. And Ed Deming did a great job in, in showing the Japanese statistical process control and how they could make with with a six sigma process make every product extremely similar and reliable yeah. and not have flaws so in. that's one really good use for statistics in okay. reliability right another one is is you know i'm i've got a a say a, a consumer product we're making a bazillion of whatever widget we're making and mm -hmm. we can track the field complaints or the field problems or for whatever, you know, returns or warranty claims mm -hmm. due to like back to the week of manufacturing. Right. Right. And are we, are, do we have anomalies? Do we, 
because just the flood, just if I ship a million a week and I get, you know, 2000 back every week, right. Um, just detecting which ones of those I need to go actually pick apart and take, I can't afford to, to do detailed failure analysis and every single return. Now, some people do, I run into organizations that do that, but if I want to just do a Pareto and detect, you know, which ones are batch problems, which ones are due to changes that we made in the design or in the product mm, manufacturing right, process, right. that's statistics. It's not counting it for the sake of counting it. It's counting it to do something useful. Like where do we well, prioritize? Right. Frequency, uh, uh, knowing the frequency of occurrence, uh, you know, whether it's what lot it came from, those kind of things, uh, trying to correlate and, and, uh, correlate, that to make a target for you to go after, right. whether it's a lot, a date period when, you know, uh, the weather was different yeah. or something to that we, effect. We just hired Bill and Bill is really trying to make a mess out of our production line. And yeah, you know, uh, humidity, things like that. So yeah, that, that can lead you, you know, understanding, uh, what most likely, uh, area and and probabilities, but right. and then again, and, and then another one. Now, I I agree with you that we if you get failures, you need to go figure it out, right? Now that's just one isolated case. Another case is tolerancing in the design. You know, is paying attention to the variability of your incoming components that you're trying to assemble, and using tolerance analysis so that you can actually manufacture it and it works. Um, that's <laughs> right. statistics, and if it's done well, right. you make a more reliable product. Right. right. So I've gotten involved with tolerancing and in design in the design process and that brought in my statistics skills. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's it's a longer thread to how it affects reliability, but it's major. If you can't assemble it and you're force fitting parts or you leave screws up because they don't fit, well, the likelihood of that car starting is getting pretty low. Right, right. You've got to allow for variation or understand your variation in the manufacturing process. Right, and that's statistics. That is statistics. You're right. Right. Um, but you know, now, but you, we're talking you about were talking about you were talking about the really classic example of don't bother with the statistics or you know what what was the phrase get off your desk you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a know, family show. Counting <laughs> it's a matter of counting field returns and saying and and measuring them in time, you know, what time to failure of these field returns and then making a curve and saying, "Oh, this, this shows that they're, they're, these are not uh they're early wear, wear out or they're wearing out early or whatever. And then going in, as I've said, when I went to After a, they a, did conference, a week of analysis uh, of, of, of of looking and counting parts that they went in and looked at the actual failure mechanism. I can't remember exactly what it is, but was lack of lubricant or some kind of thing that, you know, would have been observable if they'd gone in and dissected the part and looked into the thing. But a lot of engineers want to sit at the desk and sit at their computer and not, you know, touch the actual product yeah. <laughs> and, and go, it's, 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 it's daunting. And each time you go into a failure analysis, you risk, losing the data that you need to find by, you know. Well, that's a whole other discussion of yeah, doing but failure analysis. But the right. idea is, is that reliability is integrated in, or reliability relies on, uh, I think, a firm understanding of statistics from process control to tolerancing to prioritization of where you focus. And in, and in the case, like you mentioned, with these, you know, 
intrinsic wear mechanisms and is our design going to get us long enough that it's cost effective is like the big solar fit farms. Um, So there are cases where, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You need to apply all these different rules, but it, I agree with you. There's plenty of people that just think that's what reliability is. I only do statistics. I crank out inverse Gaussian exponentiated uh, G whiz stuff and, Mm -hmm. and look how brilliant I am. But nobody knows what the hell that is or how to use it, so why bother? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for if, if you know if you're not talking about intrinsic wearout mechanisms in electronics, and most of the time uh, it, practicing engineers in a manufacturing environment or a new product uh, development and manufacturing environment aren't going to be dealing with the, those kinds of issues. They're going to be dealing with special cause, assignable causes for the failure mechanisms that are introduced or the design margin that was overlooked. And, of course, again, you know, testing the strength limits is the way to find some of those fairly quickly, some of them, yep. not all of them. Not all of them. No, no one test gets all, everything. Yep. So, you know, apply as many as you can. And also, again, we've got to always remember that the supply chain is not constant, especially if a product's produced more than one or two years, you're probably going to have to change suppliers or the components are going to change or, or opt you know, delete or, yeah, it's... or some, you know, uh, somebody in, um, in the commodities, uh, uh oh, buying... cost reduction people. Yeah. Oh. Cost reduction people are going <laughs> to, and Don't you know, they're, they're pretty far that, away. Yeah. <laughs> They're pretty far away from the manufacturing process, but they got rewarded for reducing the cost of the product. Okay. So, you know, it's a very complex thing uh, to go and, uh, you know, point fingers, especially, uh, you know, introducing a, a test process that might prevent something if it's not compensated for because the guy's cycle time for producing the product is extended. But he wasn't, you know, he's not paid as a manager for that department. He's not paid for its reliability. That's yep. And I've seen that before. Oh, yeah, man, with me that. too. Or end of quarter pushes. You know, you get a big end of quarter push and they <laughs> just crank it all out and somebody else pays the warranty. I don't care. Right. Yeah, it's not my bucket, you know, so I've been told that. He's going to go, you're not talking to the right person. So. Yeah. But I can't reach the right person because he's way up there, you know. Uh, and he's the ladder. You know. Well, he might live in another <laughs> state or another in the headquarters or something like that. And, get on a plane. Come on. You can... So I've told you that story where I got left alone. I went to visit a site. They invited me into doing an assessment and what, uh-huh. why they were having so many failures. And and the phone was ringing and an angry customer and this guy that was my host for the first hour was like, "I, there's the coffee machine in the bathroom. You know, I'll be back in an hour. And yeah. I went wander around, went and found people to talk to. And I found the CFO and he's like, what are you here for? We don't have a warranty <laughs> problem. <laughs> well, what do you count in warranty? Uh, you know, and it just went downhill from there. Yeah. Uh, it's like, yeah, you don't leave me alone in your building. That's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, you know, I, I, I go explore. Yeah. Well, over. like one time, I, I mean, another example of statistics, and this is just because I, I was aware of, you know, the, the statistics and the, and the basic redundancy, right? Full disclosure, you have a degree in statistics. Well, it's just the way I'm wired. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. But I, I got invited by a company that okay. was having a problem with 
their application. It was some fancy detection. I don't think it was radar. It was detecting something mm -hmm. in these big planes. And, and they would fly around and detect everything, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, and, they, and they never, ever told me what it did. And I right. never, ever saw a sales sheet or a data sheet. It's, and no. I probably wouldn't have understood it. Anyway. Confidential. Yeah. Right. But they were getting pushback by the military saying, you know, we have to abort flights and scramble another aircraft up to get the coverage. And it does this and does that and everything else. And, and the folks I was talking to says, we sell the exact same units to the Navy and they put them on submarines and do a six month tour and they're fine. They of course can't go 12 hours without one of them failing. <laughs> I says, well, they're, they're kind of different environments. One. Yeah. But, and I said, did the Navy, do they take spares with them? Oh yeah, they ship nine. They only need four, you know? And so they swap them out and they don't have to go back. You know, they don't have to abort the mission because of it. Where the mm -hmm. Air Force, they fly with three because of the, whatever they needed three units to do the coverage they needed. Mm -hmm. And if one failed, they abort the flight. I says, well, why don't you put a fourth one on there? And I asked the Air Force guys, like, do you have space and can you afford the weight to add another one to avoid doing, you know, aborting the flight and scrambling a crew and all the expense of that. And they like, oh yeah, we could do that. And I, and they said, what benefit would it have? So I whipped out a piece of paper and did a, you know, it's a K out of N equation and use a quick binomial and go, oh, okay. You'd, instead of aborting once a week, you abort once a year. Oh, they're like, oh, that'd be great. And then the vendor I'm working with was, they're all smiles because they get to sell four for every three now. <laughs> and they took me to lunch. You know, that's all I got. And, yeah. But they never, which is a different story altogether, they never wow. actually approached or uh, uh, fixed the product's design so it wouldn't fail. Yeah. It. They had all these right. other options to make it so they didn't have to do the redundancy, <laughs> but they didn't like that idea. They liked the idea of selling an extra one. And well, fix sure. It that's the way like the that. that's the way the you know contracting world in anyway. But yes, it's a little I, bit I of statistics, wanna... you know. Oh, and another one. Uh, we had a vendor say um, we weren't quite sure about this novel new solder attachment thing they were doing. Some package they were doing. So we they shipped us thirty samples, and they agreed. They worked with us to create a test as thermal cycle. It was some. A, metalization issue that we were exploring and uh -huh. 28 or 29 of the 30 failed pretty quickly. <laughs> and we call them up and says, you know, you helped us set up the task. You understood what we're doing. This is similar to what you do in your factory. 29 out of 30 failed. Oh, that was a sampling error that you just happened to get 29 bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did, I said, I know there's a statistical tool to, de what is the chance if they're claiming it's in a, in like one per billion, whatever fail for this cause. <laughs> and they've shipped hundreds of millions of these units. They've been shipping them all over the place. What is the chance that we would randomly pick 29 bad ones, which was only four short of what they claim would ever be possible to have failed <laughs> in a random sample across a handful of batches from different time frames and stuff like that. Right. That they just happen. And we, everybody agreed that the test was run well and it was, it was valid results. And mm -hmm. so I, I did a hypergeometric calculation using the hypergeometric uh, uh, formulas 
or distribution and formulas. And it was like one in 160, one chance out of 10 raised to the 69th power or some number like that. And, uh-huh. I, like, and I showed my boss that and he's, and I said, this is highly unlikely because well, what does it take to be impossible? Like, oh, it's a bigger number. <laughs> <laughs> but see, Fred, I, you know, and all that, I go like, well, what was failing and why was it failing? It failed for exactly the reason that we were looking for. It was like this metallization from our materials guy said, this will cause a, uh, a, a copper or not a copper, a gold. Oh, now I'm drawing a blank on the name of the mechanisms, but it created a, a brittle gold layer in the, in the metallization. Okay. Intermetallic. Intermetallic problem. Brit- okay. Golden brittlement, I think it was called or something like that. And, we were concerned about that and using the process and the testing was to replicate the solder joint and all other stuff and the conditions that, you know, it was, it was a pretty subtle or simple test actually and, uh-huh. and fairly standard. And so they agreed to it all. And I, I, I said, Can, why don't you run it now? You replicate it. You run 30 samples and we'll monitor it. Right. And, and they had all 30 fail. And, and I said, if you ever run this test before and they got all real quiet no, of course not. You know, why would we do that? We'd find something out. That's part of the problem is is that, you know, everybody's counting these failures, but nobody seems to be wanting to investigate or find them out beforehand. And I know, you know I've worked with this some of this culture, okay, and I know there's big silo problems, and, and they just, you know, the guys that, that were in the test labs knew that some of these things were happening. Mm-hmm. But nobody they, wanted to listen to them. Exactly. And they said, no, we're, you know, we got to ship it. We got to ship it. We have to ship it. And, you know, one of the managers said, well, I said, don't, don't they allow you to have a few, you know, your first prototypes? Oh, no, they want them. The, the military takes them right away. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, you've got to, don't you have to tell them that if they really want to, you know, have a, a reliable product, you've got to get it some chance to understand and, and test it, especially my advocacy of testing to its to its strength limits mm-hmm. and you know it's, they anyway it's 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 something i kind of have to look away from because i know we just passed one of the largest military spending bills in history every oh, year yeah. Yeah, it gets bigger back. and bigger and i've worked in these companies i i unfortunately know too much that makes it un, unpleasant to hear these kinds of things but it's there's really no break in it. It's it's a system that is well established since Eisenhower, and uh, I'm not going to do anything about it. So the best we can do and hope for is a commercial off the shelf. Some of that is is using some of these methods to find out in advance yeah. and not worry about statistics and counting failures in the fields, or you know. Well, I would rephrase that to use statistics. Okay where it actually is a good tool to use. Right. Know? Right. There are some aspects of, like you say, uh, uh, control and wear tolerancing and, and intrinsic wear outs. And right. There is, there is application for that in, in reliability, but it's not what, a what, uh, typically the engineers on the, on the front line that are dealing with failures in the field are having to deal with. And, you know, again, if we did a, in our last episode, we talked about uh, the 
the listing of failure mechanisms. If we were to do that for you know any product, it, the fishbone diagram mm-hmm. would be would what we'd be doing. It would have so many branches. <laughs> <laughs> bones it would be the boniest fish in the world it would yeah. go on forever you know because yeah. each little branch is kind of like a what do you call the mandibrot fractals you know oh, yeah, where yeah, yeah. It, we keep getting fractals. finer and finer detail exactly. and detail but, down it, the... but it goes down it keeps going it, it, it never ends it's infinite it's kind of like as you dive into it and that along with our dynamically changing environment of materials uh, manufacturing processes and uh, you know, push for continuing push for density, uh, which is getting ridiculous down to you know a few molecules. Well, of metal. cost and weight, and yeah, it's like three atoms, you know, dance to the left, and now we've got a computer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and our you know we're getting down to point below one volts kind of situations. You know, it's gonna, it's just gonna go even. Uh, so those kind of things as we as we get to the. Again, we push the boundaries of of uh, dimensions and tolerances, and different mechanisms start to show up as we get down there. The best thing we can do is, or one of the things, and I, you know, want to advocate is we do empirical testing. Mm-hmm. We do, uh, we get more creative with our test scenarios and just um, learn from our past, and then. Again, it's like whack-a-mole. The new new problems will be coming up. Uh, be ready for them, but be looking. Depending on the cost of your product, and you know, less than two hundred dollar products are hard to justify. You know, putting through a, a ten dollar screen, but uh, you know, taking some kind of sampling, doing some kind of monitoring. Again, SPC. You're right. That's the statistics. I never for, thought I'd hear that from you. Anyway. <laughs> manufacturing, but you and I know that when a manufacturing process is going fine, the control charts and everything just become a bunch of paper, uh, wallpaper, yep. and everybody just kind of ignores them. And it's, you know, that's probably a topic for a whole other discussion. Yeah. It's what happens when you get everything's going well for too long, and then right, everybody you know, gets kind of complacent. Yeah, no, that's a whole other issue. <laughs> no, but anyway, reliability. And it's not just because I have a degree in statistics. It was well well before I got the degree that I was using statistics to to solve problems. And it's a a tool. It's a tool in the toolbox. It's a major part of, of, in my mind, of what reliability engineering is about. And any engineering, you should be very well versed in statistics. And unfortunately... I agree. It doesn't happen all that. But I also agree with you, Kurt. I agree. As much as it pains me to say, is if you've got a failure, understand it. Do the failure now. Get into it. You know, do all right. that stuff. But it's a, there's a place in time for statistics and there's a place in time for you. Let's go play with this in the lab and see how I can break it. Exactly. You know, and and right. learn from it. So there, it's a, and it's, is every organization, every situation would be slightly different. But if you find yourself doing nothing but a bunch of viable plots and nobody ever looks at them, you might want to, you know, ask some more <laughs> questions or go find some samples to break or something. Yeah. It's also more fun to break stuff than it is. It is plot. a lot more fun. And you'll learn a lot more than just the 
how it breaks. You'll learn a lot of its operating uh, software problems, mm -hmm. uh, all kinds of other issues that aren't really hardware related necessarily, and uh, ease of use for the for for the user, things yeah. like that. Or you a might... repair system. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Maintaining a repair and all all kinds of cool stuff. So anyway, yeah. that's that's a thought. Um, it, you were you mentioned you were off doing some research, and I thought, well, and you came across some brilliant titles and. <laughs> so we picked one of them to, I, I to just, spin off yeah, on. I, I just say anybody, uh, you know, Google Scholar is an amazing place to go. And um, you can find a lot of you get actually I'm looking at this and uh, uh, all the articles are actually PDFs. You can download many yeah. of them yeah. and yeah. Uh, read them yourself. But uh, it's sometimes it's your own peril. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It could be a real uh, a brain uh, mixer That's right. <laughs> when you read them. Right. So, you know, if, take a look at Google Scholar, if, pose some questions to him, see what shows up. It's kind of a shortcut to having to go to a conference or in. But there's so much out there for us to learn and mm -hmm. having an, uh, the awareness of all this stuff well, just makes a whole lot of sense. So anyway, I think that. We'll use that as a wrap there, Kirk, and okay, see how it goes from there. Let's remind them of Accendo. Oh, yeah, I forgot again. Yeah. Uh, if, especially since we're looking for questions. Uh, yeah. we, it got a little dry here the last month or so. I got one or two questions, but uh, we'd love to hear from you. We do two shows a week, so we need at least two good questions <laughs> that we can get on and talk about. And then we know you've got questions, so uh, uh, hit uh, ascendoreliability.com slash go slash S-O-R as one place you can go to leave us a message or a question or an idea or you can find Kirk and I and the other hosts of the show on LinkedIn or on our about pages on the site under contributors and plenty of ways for you to get in touch get You'll get an answer back pretty quick. We try to get back to you as soon as we can uh, and understand the problem or the question and hopefully give you some advice or ideas to help you move along. Uh, but they often make really good topics for the for the, for the podcast. So that's why we look for them. Yeah, so thanks for the questions. reminder there, Kirk. Yeah, All right. Well, it's good to talk to you again, Fred. And yeah. let's do it again. All right. Yeah, we will. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show. Please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.